The date is Friday, November 13th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. In this episode, Alex tells us of his travels in Las Vegas and how a chance ride with an Uber driver caused him to learn of the harsh realities of the city that never sleeps. This also dovetails into a discussion of the 1995 movie Casino to further illustrate what went wrong with the once glamorous entertainment capital of the world. Enjoy! Hello, it's me. This is the second time I'm singing this, cause the first time Nick felt weird, so I started over. And now we're here. You're listening to episode 37 of Entertain This. Entertain This. Wow. Did you like it that time? No. Did, did it hit different the second time? No, you still didn't like it. Okay. I was trying not to laugh. <laughs> you laugh, you lose, as they say. You laugh, you mm-hmm. lose. That is the name of the game on this comedy uh, entertainment podcast. If you laugh, you lose. I'd say we're comedy, right? Sure. I think we're pretty funny, personally. <laughs> I think I'm really funny. Okay. Uh, well, welcome back, guys. Uh, this is the second week of November, a very stressful week it has been for a lot of America. It is Sorry. no shave November. <laughs> yeah. It is no shave November. There are several things in November that men are not allowed to do. Um, it's, it's, it should be no Nick November. Because all you all you do are the two things you're not allowed to? <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a Shaving coy, and <laughs> there was a, a coy shrug, a shrug coming from Nick, um, implying that I was correct in my assumption. I like but, peanuts. Guys, I want to just have a moment with you guys. Let's talk. How has your guys' week been? How are you guys feeling right now? We don't know the results of what's going down. Yeah, so getting a little inside baseball, like th- this, we're recording this on the second day of the presidential election. Yeah, it's and Wednesday, my dude. Yeah, and so we don't actually have the full results yet. No. Uh, we know we are currently sitting at, uh, by decision desk, or we'll go New York Times. New York Times has not declared Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, or Georgia yet. So that is where we currently are at this specific moment in time. That is where we are currently sitting. Um, hey, you said a state that rings a bell, Nevada? Nevada? We're not already... I'm still trying to talk to you guys, Oh, Nick. you're why talking? Are you, why are you putting the horse before the cart I'm here? I'm not... I'm just saying... Wait, 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 wait real quick, I was real giving quick, you a segue in which you could ride on. Nevada? Nevada. Or Nevada? Uh, Nevada. How do they say it? They say it Nevada. Hmm. I say Nevada. Is it Ohio or Ohio? Nope. <laughs> Is it Louisville or is it Louisville? Well, I mean, is it Versailles or Versailles? <laughs> is it Versace? Mm, no, Versace, Gucci. Versace, Versace. Or Liberace. We are getting way off topic. I, I actually <laughs> want to know, how do you guys feel? Just Because I know, uh, just, just so we can be a little bit relatable to the listener, I know that I am in a constant state of panic. I wake up multiple times a night and refresh my Google feed. Yeah, no, the drive over <laughs> here was the longest amount of time I went without looking at the election results. It just feels really big, and it's so weirdly close. Um, and I really think that Kanye could come up, and he could still take it. We shake your head about it. 60,000 people actually voted for Kanye. Yeah, can you believe that? Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Could you imagine being one of those 60,000 people? I'm not entirely sure, but I remember looking at some results earlier. Are they stupid? Yeah, like- so 60,000, out of those 60,000, uh, 62,500 
not 62, sorry, 6,205, I can't count numbers, uh, that many people just from Kentucky voted for Kanye West. Yeah, that place that got Mitch McConnell back in. Yeah. Well, let's be honest, it was nowhere close, so. Oh my God. Oh my so God, in Tennessee, he got almost 10,500. It is the music capital of mm, America. That is a good point. Um, I don't all trust of, Kanye. All of that being said, uh, it's if it's Friday, you're listening to this, you know what went down. Um, and just Maybe. remember, we're still here, we're still doing stuff, we're still putting out podcasts, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the end of the world, no matter what happens. Either way, not we're yet. gonna keep going. Yeah, keep on trucking. Okay, now now let's go ahead and set up that segue again. Oh, okay. What are the so, states? What are the states that aren't confirmed yet? So you uh, said Nevada. No, it's uh, it's <laughs> Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. It's uh, North Carolina. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's Georgia. You're naming all of them. Arizona. Yep. Oh, Alaska. Alaska as well. And Alaska? Yeah, Alaska's oh, yeah, not Alaska. decided yet. Oh they have, man, they have three electoral votes, so very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and then the last one, uh, Nevada. 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 Mm-hmm. Nevada, Nevada. What's out there anyway? Potato, potato. What is out there in that vast desert of darkness and secrets? Who's to say? A lot of nuclear test sites. <laughs> but here's, here's, here's what I will say is that um, against probably smart decision, uh, I took an excursion with my father to the vast desert plains of Nevada, mm-hmm. and I entered in uh, the beautiful meadow, as it's, as it's called, Las Vegas. Which script. translates to the meadows in Spanish. Ah, I so there's your that. there's your little first uh, your little first kid, Vegas fun I fact. I always thought it was Lost Vegas. I was like, because they're lost. If you what? made it there, you're lost. <laughs> um, Somebody's found it. Let's let's do open forum style. What is it that you guys know about the meadows, Las Vegas? What what immediately comes to mind? Let's talk. Let's talk uh, like movie tropes. Let's talk what, ev- anything. Like when right. I say Vegas, what do you think? Well, first, Nick, have you ever been there? Okay, because I know you and I have. Yes, I've been wow. there. It's been a long time, but I have been there. You go there for uh, your twenty first, or you yeah. go there for conferences often, don't you? Uh oh, yeah. Shit, I forgot that I went there for conferences. Yeah, Mike was a big deal. He goes to conferences. He really is. Yeah, yeah, I went out there for a conference. It wasn't in Vegas, but there was the last night where me and a bunch of people I met there we went into Vegas and got very drunk. <laughs> that is and, amazing. Where and, did you go in Vegas? Uh, we went to. Honestly, I don't remember because I was already drunk and we Ubered in. Were you on the main strip or did we you went, go to No, no, Fremont no. So Street. this was during the World Series and we went to Top Golf oh, first okay. because the Top Golf yeah. in Vegas has a giant like uh, TV screen uh, that covers the entire back wall of the netting mm-hmm. at the Top Golf. Wow. It's really impressive. I had a lot to drink there. I can I can see it in my head. Yeah. And That's then crazy. we went to a few random casinos and this was all taking place uh i ended up leaving there at around three o'clock in the morning (laughs) incredibly drunk and intoxicated my flight to come back the that morning was at six oh yeah yeah did you make your flight no okay (laughs) i mean vegas it's like everything there is bigger so it makes sense that the screen is just like huge it's bigger Mm -hmm. is better in vegas uh that's what they always say. You bet bigger, you win bigger. They go over the top with everything. All of the above. Nick, what about you? You've never been. So mm-hmm. like when you when you think Vegas, what do you think? What is the average man's uh, thoughts mm-hmm. on Vegas? So, I know it's a strip and it has a lot of casinos. 
It's got a lot of casinos. Bright lights. Bright lights, stuff like that. You hey, know, no, the... no cheating. This is a this is a partner <laughs> test. All right, fine. Fuck. Sorry. What, you got, you I just want that. I want his, I want his I want his his virgin mind's opinion. You got like the the movie tropes where the guy goes there and he's looking around. He's like, "Wow, look at all these lights and the casinos and everything." And I guess so that's there are it. lights, there are casinos, and there are guys who enjoy the lights at casinos. There's Fallout New Vegas, which is a game I played and I explored the strip virtually. I guess, kind of, <laughs> in an alternate mm-hmm. timeline. I know, like Fremont Street. You know, you got mm-hmm. the King, uh, who's Elvis, by the way, not like you know Royalty or anything. <laughs> Thought you guys should know that, but uh, yeah, I think I know the area. It's just there's a giant vast desert. There's yeah. some mountains to a side, mm-hmm. and you got Las Vegas in the middle of the desert, mm-hmm. which shouldn't exist. <laughs> Ecologically, you know, from that perspective, there's no rivers, there's no springs. It just, it's just there. Correct. What's the deal? You know what? Let's talk about the deal. You guys want to go through the history of Vegas even before it was casino, casino ridden? Because that's what I want to do. Here's here's just a little a little uh, virtual overhead of how this episode's going to go. Because I've recently been to Vegas. I've recently watched the movie Casino. I've watched the movie Twenty One, and I assume now that I am an expert. Mm. I don't know those movies because I am entitled. Did you watch Hangover? I did. I've seen Hangover, but not recently. Uh, have you watched Rounders? No. <laughs> oh, okay. That one's new to me. Have we played Blackjack? Yes. A time or two. I, I actually wish we had cards so we could play blackjack while we're talking <laughs> That'd be about cool. It. Hit. I don't know how to play blackjack, so that would be a very interesting game. Hold on. Our, our, uh, never mind. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> thought we had out. cards. We don't. That's all right. So let's talk about it. So, I mean, other than, of course, the Native Americans who wandered the American plains before any of us ever got here, um, one of the first accounts of somebody who had stepped foot in Vegas was a young Hispanic scout named Rafael Riviera. Um, and he name. is credited as the first non-Native <laughs> American to encounter the valley uh, and give it its name, known as, uh, he called it the Meadows in Spanish, which translates, as I said before, to uh, Las Vegas. Okay. Viva. <laughs> FIFA. No, Viva. Viva. Viva Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. The life of Las Vegas. Um, But it wasn't until 1844 that John C. Fremont, whose writings helped lure pioneers to the area, kind of got people down there and doing stuff. Um, And that's why he got the street named after him, Fremont Street. Mm. Mm, Okay, okay. Fremont Street is located in... um, a, a section of Vegas now known as Old Vegas. So, uh, much like Fallout, which uh, which you know a lot about, Nick. I know a little too much. Um, there is an Old Vegas, yep, and then there is a New Vegas. And they are referred to as Old Vegas and New Vegas when you're in Vegas. Like, hey, we're going to go to New Vegas. Oh, okay. So, Fallout New Vegas, New Vegas does exist. Mm. It's not just like, oh, this is some uh, this apocalyptic is the, yeah. version of it. So this is the new version of Vegas. This is the remnants of it. There is actually a new Vegas. Wow. Um, but Fremont Street, named after John C. Fremont, um, is old Vegas. Okay. Yeah. So um, 1844, you said? Do what now? 1844. Yes, this is 1844. Okay. So now, okay. 11 years after 1844, uh, people are coming in, the pioneers are coming in, and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints finds Vegas. What? Mormons. And they're like, uh, 
Sorry, that, that sonic boom was them uh, hearing us from a far distance. <laughs> They're trying to sell us Bibles. Um, so they found a location between Salt Lake City, Utah, and Los Angeles, and they wanted to build basically a kind of fort uh, in this place where they could have like a, a middle ground between Los Angeles and Salt Lake City, and they put mm. that in Vegas. And that's actually still um, standing in Vegas currently. Still it's known as the Old Mormon Fort. Hmm. Huh. That was in the game too. Oh, was it? FYI. The uh, old Mormon fort was? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna give you your, your spot in the your, your spot in the sun continue. to talk about. I'm just about. mentioning things as they come up. Yeah, absolutely. And if like you have references to the games as I'm mentioning these things, by all means take the wheel. Like if there's a mission that happens there, then absolutely. The Fallout games <laughs> the Fallout games are really good at getting uh getting pretty accurate with the kind of layout of these places i know that mm-hmm. fallout 4 was like incredible when it came to that kind of yeah, stuff Yeah, you get to walk the freedom trail oh yeah which i've actually done in real life really because that game. compared to the game is it uh i mean it has all, all the <laughs> stops along the freedom trail you got like the Fair massachusetts enough. state house the uss constitution all that jazz all that jazz <laughs> so um Las Vegas was founded as a city in 1905, so it took that long to get it its wow. official like city status. Um, took a minute. You gotta get people out there first. Right. That was when 110 acres of land adjacent to the Union Pacific Railroad tracks were auctioned in that would become the downtown area. And Dang. in 1911, Las Vegas was incorporated as a city. But well, it That's took... probably part of the Gadsden purchase, right? Yeah. Because it was, like, you had... <laughs> you like that? Well, yeah. You know who our history buff is? It's This me. guy. It's Nick. <laughs> because so if he says something, I go, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not, but the United States, like, we, we piecemealed it out. Mm-hmm. Like, you had the Louisiana Purchase, you had... You had the <laughs> that was us purchasing more land, yeah. Um, then he had, like, what was after that in the timeline? Uh, You're the history guy. We just said that. <laughs> Wait, timeline after what? So you had the Louisiana Purchase, right? Right. It's all the land until like the Mississippi. Yeah. And then you had like a bunch of other purchases where you just snapped up land, like um, nom, 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 nom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually you get the it was like Lewis and Clark, Sacagawea, all that. Oh, beyond that. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking like 1840 something, which is when we purchased this little strip of land uh, south, the southernmost tip of Arizona and New Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's like the Gadsden Purchase, mm-hmm. named after some guy named Gadsden. I don't know. <laughs> a quick little editorial comment from Future Nick here. I was totally wrong here. All of what we now call Nevada was part of the Mexican Session of 1848. This is definitely not part of the Gadsden Purchase, like past me just said. Anyways, uh, back to the show. Gotcha. But it was built to it was it was bought to make railroads on it. So interesting. And did that happened before after we like just kind of claimed amnesty over the land in mexico we were like that hey, now is texas that was <laughs> yeah that was now. that was sometime after the spanish-american war which was 1850s ish mm-hmm. okay then you had like the civil war and then obviously the transcontinental railroad in 18 yeah and all this is happening in 1911 so this is like 60 years after all that yeah but then railroads are everywhere especially the union pacific out there too Nick, you love trains, man. <laughs> We're going to open up a P.O. box, and anybody who listens to our podcast and enjoys us, please send Nick model trains. I love model trains. Mm-hmm. He would have such a good time just unpacking all those model trains. Yeah, this room is going to be like model train central on a motor. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I have to retire first. and Just mm. retire now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my so two bucks saved So, from up. all this passive income that we make from this podcast. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like I that? I don't know. <laughs> 
Christmas you weren't manager. even here for the last two months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, was I supposed to spend that money or like send it all to you? Oh, never mind. I don't, know. don't worry about it. Huh? What? It's a tax write-off. <laughs> um, so 20 years after uh, Las Vegas gains its cityhood is when we start to see it develop into the kind of Vegas that we're familiar with. It was 1931 that Las Vegas and, more importantly, Nevada legalized casino gambling and reduced residency requirements for divorce to six weeks. So you could be married for six weeks in Nevada, and then you were able to get divorced. And in the United (laughs) States, that was, like, the fastest turnaround. Oh, I'm putting all the mental connections together because I actually, like, I uh, I knew a few people that mm-hmm. ended up going to like BYU. Yeah, Brigham Young University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was like a big thing uh, that I heard about of a lot of people, uh, like college age, would be hitting that point, you know, where the birds need to meet the bees. Yeah, mm. and in st- in order to get around all the rules and regulations, they take a little trip down into Vegas, <laughs> get married for a night. <laughs> And then do the do, and then head back home uh, right after getting a divorce the next morning. That's incredible. Oh, because they're super strict about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. And you know Good what? That's, <laughs> yeah. That's the Way big Mormon, like, the big Mormon culture that's happening in Vegas that we talked about that's developed since, like, the 1800s, and uh, they still just stuck around. So that kind of makes sense that Brigham Young University kind of opened up nearby there, too. Yeah. Um where is it located? I think it's in Utah, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's oh. still pretty close. Yeah, but just, you know. So with uh, with this opening of casino and gambling, they also saw an influx of people coming in um, because of the construction that was going on on a like nearby giant construction project that was happening. Uh, about It's about a five-hour drive from Vegas. Uh, from what I looked up when I was there, because I wanted to see it, but it was the Hoover Dam was being built. That's right. And so all of the the workers on the Hoover Dam, which, if you want to talk about scary projects and, like, missing bodies, Massive. you know how many bodies are in the Hoover Dam? A lot. A lot. Do of I want to think about Because it? if people fell in to the concrete as they were pouring it, they just kept pouring. Done. Was that, like, a common occurrence? Like- oh, Yeah. Very oh. common occurrence. They Is would, like, call Ocean your family and be that. like, I'm sorry he <laughs> fell in, we couldn't get him out, he's in there. There's like a memorial on the Hoover Dam where it's like all the people who died in the building. Jesus. Yeah, no, it's freaking crazy. <laughs> you can thank OSHA nowadays for keeping people safe. So so that uh, construction on the Hoover Dam and all the construction workers who came in with that, um, they were one of the main reasons that helped Las Vegas avoid the economic calamity that happened during the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, all the other cities were like poor and like became... Um, they called them uh, Hoover Towns, ironically. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> uh, because... Uh, basically people were out of money and they would make these like shanty towns or Hoover towns named after the president who they blamed this economic downfall on. But Las Vegas, because of all of the construction that was going on and all of the like big lights and gambling that was going through, they never saw an end to the money. They basically skipped right over the great depression. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Uh, and so the construction was all completed in 1935 and in 1941, the Las Vegas Army Airfield was established, which brought in a bunch of, like, Air Force and uh, the U.S. Thunderbirds were an acrobatic team that kind of came out of there. And uh, another spectacle was basically added to this big city of lights and money and uh, sin because divorce was so rampant that religious <laughs> places... Is a sin too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, religious places basically saw it as, like, this uh, this dirty place. Um 
And I guess the U.S. government did too, because in 1951, nuclear weapon testing began happening nearby <laughs> in the Nevada desert. This is a 65, great part of American history. Really. <laughs> only only 65 miles away from Las Vegas, they were testing nuclear Fine. weapons. Um, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so the city got nicknamed the Atomic City, and great. it maybe <laughs> was one of the reasons that Fallout kind of uh, sunk its claws into Vegas when they were looking for a place to base a game on, because. Uh, visitors were able to witness mushroom clouds from the uh, from the casinos in Las Vegas up until 1963. That's so, when we had the partial test ban. That's when we had the yeah partial nuclear test ban treaty Which that required nuclear tests to be moved underground. That's right. Yeah, they still tested them. They just had to be underground. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so you couldn't watch the mushroom clouds anymore. But that is that is 12 years. Twelve years they were testing nuclear weapons out in the desert. Yep. I mean, it was a giant flat plane of almost, like, nothing, but... So, like, why not? Like, <laughs> <You> why <know>? not? <laughs> Outside of the fallout and, uh, you know, radiation that cascades away from that. Right. So, 1955 rolls around and the Moulin Rouge Hotel opens and became the first radically integrated casino hotel in Las Vegas. Oh. The very first. Um, so that's the first time you're seeing, like... Hey, stay here and play here, which is a tactic used by a lot of casinos in Vegas that we will get to very shortly. And it's a very important key to how Vegas survived for so long the way that it did. Hmm. Um, The iconic Welcome to Las Vegas sign, which has never been located within the municipal limits, um, was created in 1959 by Betty Willis. So that's another key time. It's so that, like, welcome outside. to Vegas sign, yeah, basically it's never mm-hmm. in Vegas. It's always outside of Vegas. I've been lied to. Well, welcome to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I've been cheated. <laughs> welcome to Vegas. Uh, and then the 1960s, corporations and business tycoons such as Howard Hughes uh, were building and buying hotel casino properties. Uh, gambling was referred to as gaming, which uh, transitioned into... A legitimate business. Mm. So where it was illegal, it became, or not maybe illegal, but definitely frowned upon and like snuck underground. Uh, basically, at this point, it was like, no, this is a business. It's gaming. Yeah. But it always kept its kind of darker roots. Um, basically, it, it always stayed on the side of the line where it's like, oh, if you gamble, tsk, 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 you know? Yeah, tsk, tsk. We're going to go ahead and jump into Casino the Movie, because I feel like this is a good spot. Uh, Casino the Movie... When did it come out? It came out in 1995, Mm. um, which also marked the opening of the Fremont Street Experience in Vegas, which was uh, the giant-ass fucking TV that goes over the entirety of Fremont Street. Oh, yeah. So that opened then, but but we're skipping ahead, because uh, although it was released in 1995 and starred Robert De Niro... (laughs) <laughs> and uh, okay. uh, uh, Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Casino? Nope. Have either of you seen Casino? Nope. nope. Oh, man. Should I go watch it? You're going to entertain it. <laughs> I'm a, I will entertain this. <laughs> um, Casino is a, uh, not documentary, but based on true story. Um, about you drama type of thing? Kind of. Okay. It's, it's based on a true story about the last gangsters, or the last mobsters, to ever be in Vegas. Um, 
And it kind of talks about the fall of the mafia in Vegas. Because as all of this was happening and as Vegas was growing, um, they were also... The reason that they were growing was because they were basically the face of this illegal operation that was happening. Um, you, are you guys familiar at all with uh, money laundering and how it works? Yeah, I've seen uh, Ozark. Ozark, yeah. yeah. If you've seen Ozark, you know plenty to understand where I'm going with this. Yeah. But basically, the more legitimate businesses you own, the more you can slip that dirty money in. Mm-hmm. So Launder it. Right. As, <laughs> as Casino, or not as Casino, as Vegas was growing... Um, I guess now is a good time to talk about my trip to Vegas because while I was in Vegas, I got an Uber driver who was a, uh, he had been in Vegas for 50 years. So quite a while. So he mm-hmm. had been, he was there in the 1970s when all oh, wow. of this was going on. Uh, he was just a young, a young gun, uh, blackjack dealer and he still lives in Vegas, but now he, uh, does college seminars and he was in the movie Casino as a dealer in the background because he still worked at the casinos at the time they were filming it. Oh, wow. Um, but he's kind of what put me on to wanting to talk about this and, like, this giant switch that's happening in Vegas right now. Um, but he he put me on to a lot of the information that I'm going to share on the podcast today. Um, and, and this is all on a 20-minute car ride, right? Well, not exactly, because it was supposed to be a 20-minute car ride, but once we started asking questions, he took us on a private, uh, he took us on a private Las Vegas mafia tour. Oh wow! And maybe he wasn't supposed to, but he he, <laughs> he he moonlighted as an Uber driver slash mafia tour guide. Wow! Huh? So when he wasn't driving Uber, he was giving tours to tourists, explaining all the mafia stuff. And here are a couple of things he told me just about the mafia as Vegas was growing. Wow! He said, "Look around." He said, "You see." A laundromat there, a laundromat there, and a laundromat there. He said, tell me, if we're at one red light, why do we see three laundromats? We were like, why? He was like, because no one ever used those laundromats. Why would people come into Vegas on vacation and go into a laundromat to wash their clothes? He said, because that's where they laundered money. He said, now answer me this. He said, you got one police station on the far edge of town, but you got several small bookstores. Why is that? And it's like, Hmm. because they built these bookstores to push the police department back as far as they could from the main center where all the crime was happening. Interesting. So, like, just buying out the property to not give them the option. Exactly. That sounds like Monopoly. (laughs) He said all of these businesses, he said every single one of these businesses here were owned by the mafia. They were all fed by the mafia, all their bills were paid by the mafia, and all the money that the mafia was getting that was dirty was going through these and becoming laundered. Wow. He said, now answer me this. He said, Las Vegas is a city of uh, mostly Mormon people, a lot of Jewish people here. Uh, But more importantly, it's known as the sin capital of the world. He said, nothing but sinners here. You come, you sin, you leave. He said, so tell me, why do we have over 300 Catholic churches here? And I was like, what? He said, yeah, there are 300 Catholic churches built within all of Las Vegas. Hmm. He said, it's because when the mafia did their job, the good Catholic boys that they were, they wouldn't apologize so that they could do their job the next night with a clear conscience. <laughs> he said, they, they wanted them as close to the business as possible so they could walk in and walk out. It was like a drive through confessional. Yeah, they got the, uh, the old reconciliation sacrament. Exactly. <laughs> That's incredible. Like, I'm really sorry. The priest goes, all right, go, t- go say like some Our Fathers and Hail Marys. Right. Then be on your way. So all that, <laughs> uh, all that being said, 
the movie Casino is the 1970s. It's the end of that mobster era. Vegas has built itself up to be this big thing. And we find our main character, Ace, to be hired on. He was a, a Jewish gambler. He was Well, he was a, not a gambler, but a better. There's a big difference. Gambler is someone who loses. A better is someone who does all of the research um, that he wins almost every single time. Because he knows things like how much a guy weighs or like how thick his bones are. Like, he knows if somebody breaks their ankle, like, when they're 10 years old, that they have a chance of breaking their ankle when they're playing, like, Major League Baseball. And he takes all of these things into account, all of this research that he does, and he looks at every single detail before he makes a bet. Mm -hmm. And he keeps winning and winning and winning to the point where, Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the movie, we're told um, Ace, whose real name is uh, Sam Rothstein, which is a a different name from the guy who he's actually playing, because it's all based on a true story. Um... He is the guy who all of the other betters, they just put money on whatever he puts money on. And they oh, keep making money because of it. Yeah. His childhood friend is a, a Italian guy by the name of uh, Nicky Santoro. Mm, Nicky Santoro right. is your classic strong arm. He's played by <laughs> Joe Pesci. Uh, he's the kind of guy who, if he walks in and he says something to you, you do it. Mm. And he's sent, uh, he, he brings uh, Ace to basically the mafia boss and is like, you want this kid. This kid watches every detail of everything. You're opening up a new uh, a new casino. You need a guy to be in charge of it. Put this guy in charge. <laughs> and Robert De Niro's character is put in charge of this casino and told to run it. And he's like, I don't have a gaming license. And they're like, just keep changing your title. They're like telling him all the like backwoods how to break the law but still get away with doing it. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> look, here's what you got to do. If you don't have a gaming license, you're going to put in, you're going to apply for it. You're going to get put to the bottom of the stack. You're going to have nine months before your name gets to the top of the stack. Before that nine months comes up, change your job title. Become like the liaison of uh, food and beverage. <laughs> keep your same job where you're in charge of this casino. And they move your gaming license down to the bottom of the stack. And if you just keep changing it, they keep moving it down to the bottom of the stack, and you will never be caught for not having a gaming license. Hmm. So there are a couple of scenes in Casino that are super important to understand the kind of way that Las Vegas Vegas was run for so long. And one of those scenes is um, Robert De Niro's character is sitting with a guy who is, he's basically playing a politician uh, at the time. I think he was like, the guy in charge, uh, or the like, guy in charge of the state board of uh, of gambling. Mm-hmm. Basically, he has him in his pocket. Yeah. Uh, Robert De Niro's character does, and they're eating muffins. And uh, the guy in charge of the gaming committee, he basically takes a bite of his muffin, and it's full of blueberries. Robert De Niro breaks his open. There's not a blueberry in it, and he's like, "Here's the thing about Vegas: is there are guys who are constantly trying to screw you over." In every single instance of the word. My job, no matter what my title is, is to know every single detail of how a casino is run. Know every single detail of what's going on inside my casino to make sure that no one is screwing me. Because if they screw me, they screw the boss. And if they screw the boss, I get screwed. Hmm, you get whacked. He says, so it's important to know everything that's going on and be in charge of every single thing. So he goes back to the kitchen. He's like, look at this. Look at this blueberry. Or look at this muffin. I want the same number of blueberries in every single muffin. And the chef's like, do you know how long that's going to take? He's like, I don't care. I want every single blueberry or every single muffin to have the same number of blueberries. But why? And watching it, you're like, what is going on? That seems like borderline uh, compulsive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or obsessive, maybe. But, but the point that they're trying to make is 
when it came to running these casinos, your life was on the line constantly. <laughs> they had a they had a saying that was people would go to the desert for meetings and they'd never come back. But you never know if you went to the the desert for a meeting that you were supposed to help carry out or if it was your meeting. And if it was your meeting, then you weren't coming back. They said you go out in the middle of the day and you dig a hole. Mm-hmm. And then you bring the man to that hole before you did anything. And if you were brought to a hole and you didn't know about it, you were in trouble. Because <laughs> that's your grave. Because <laughs> that's your grave. Damn. And that's one of the reasons why the mafia saw uh, saw Vegas as this like awesome opportunity. Because there was they were basically out there by themselves. Yeah. Like they were they were horses without leads, you know? Yeah, they had a stranglehold on it. Exactly. And they kept it all so tight and so organized that they could just take people out to the desert, kill them and bury them. There are people buried in the desert that we will never find. They would shoot a guy in the back of the head with a gun, throw the gun in the hole and bury him. And you'd never hear from him again. Is that like breaking bad where they just, you know, they have several meetings out in the desert. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, And it's the same kind of vibe. Wow. But basically with that constantly over your shoulder, like Robert De Niro's character knows he needs to keep everything in line. Mm -hmm. Um, I would too. And they're like side stories, and I don't want to give away the whole plot. I want you guys to go watch Casino. Uh, but the kind of important parts that I want to kind of drill into your head is that this this setup, Las Vegas run by the 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 mafia, with all because this is just one casino, but there were dozens of casinos all run the exact same way. Mm-hmm. It was such a, a keyhole shot, like it was such a fine line that had to be walked. This thing was the equivalent of like a house of cards, mm-hmm. not not like house of cards, but <laughs> not the show. If one thing went wrong, it all went wrong. Gotcha. Hmm. So we see in Casino, um, it's as simple as there is a guy who is working for Robert De Niro's character who is only in charge of slot machines. That's his whole thing. His job is to rotate the slot machines so that the jackpots don't get hit as often as they do. And Robert De Niro has a very detailed schedule of how that's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And he hires this guy on. He's like, you need to know this as well as I know it so I don't need to worry about it. Right. One night, this guy gets three jackpots in a row. And he there's a line in it where he goes, either you're stupid or you're in on it. And if oh. you're in on it, you're dead. So I'm going to assume you're stupid and you're fired. He says, either you're stupid or you're in on it. Either way, you're out of here. And wow, this guy was the son <laughs> of this like big uh, state gambling, uh, like g- the guy in charge of like the board of state gambling. Yeah, uh, and he has a meeting with the 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 father, who's like, I need you to find a place for my boy. And he's like, Well, your boy is either stupid or he's in on it, so I fired him. He's like, you're right, my boy's dumb as dirt, so maybe you can find a place for him down the line. Robert De Niro's character's like, you're not going to strong arm me here. The guy's out. Like, he is the reason, like, he is, he is the straw that could break this camel's back. He's the reason we could get caught. Yeah, it's understandable. And he goes, okay, I'll remember that. And because of, because of that one guy that he fired, because of about $3,000 of jackpot that he lost, the guy at the state board moves his slip up the list. Mm. Oh, no. So Robert Nero's character basically get, gets called out, and they're like, hey, where's your gaming card? And he's like, I want a fair trial. Like, I've filled out all the paperwork. So I've done everything right. I haven't broken a single law. Because technically, he hadn't no. yeah. in the way that he was doing things. 
and he gets promised a fair trial, but because this guy, this whole society is dirty, I mean, Las Vegas cops included, um, he doesn't get a fair trial. They basically, he basically walks in, puts down his, his, uh, briefcase full of evidence and stuff, ready to defend himself. And they immediately vote. And they're like, you don't get your license. You're never running a hotel. Like you're never running a casino again. Well, wow. the mafia is just like, no, you'll still run it. Just we'll give you a different job and you'll run it from a different title and so on and so forth. Yep. <laughs> but Robert De Niro's character at the time is also going through this like relationship that's like falling to pieces and his wife is becoming a uh, kind of a drug addict and all that side plot that if you watch the movie is going to make much more sense, but isn't <laughs> pertinent to the point I'm trying to make. So he basically takes it as I need to, uh, I need to fight for my, for what I know is right, which is that I need my gaming card. And the mob bosses are like, you need to stop. Uh, <laughs> right like, now. <laughs> you, you, you need to, you need to take these like little jobs that we're giving you and just keep doing what you're doing and listen to us. Wait, like these old men who yeah. are like sitting around a table eating whatever they're eating and, you know, spaghetti and meatballs and <laughs> talking with an accent and like, oh, the, the boy is good. He's a good boy, <laughs> but uh, he's not a very smart guy. Um, and, and at the same time, Joe Pesci's character, Nicky, is becoming a like mob boss in Vegas because he was sent out to be a strong arm for Ace. But instead, he's like running his own gambling schemes in other people's hotels. And hmm. he gets banned from Vegas completely. And then he do- goes on this like, killing spree where he's basically killing anybody who gets in his way or anybody who's going to like rat him out and because he's doing all this his name gets tied to ace and so every time that ace is in the news nikki's coming up too and so ace is like listen the problem that i have is the fact that nikki is still here nikki keeps his name's attached to mine and it doesn't look good that i'm trying to do this legitimate business thing every time that i get on the news they're talking about the guy who they want for murder but they can never find evidence on because nikki was that good like yeah he was killing people but he was so good that they never found evidence. But he was killing, like, big people. He was killing, like, investors. He was, like, leaving them their bodies in, in, the, in the, like, room that he kills them. Like, making it look like a suicide. and Getting sloppy with it, yeah. Getting very sloppy. And at the same time, Nikki's banging Ace's wife. <laughs> because this is the kind of thing that's happening. Great. And the, the big mob <laughs> bosses are, like, there's, they're, like, there's one thing that you don't mess with. That's a man's kid and a man's wife. If you do either of those, you're out of here. Dead. Right. <laughs> so Nikki knows this, and he's trying to hide it. And so he's basically telling the wife, like, don't let him go back home or he's going to start some shit. Mm-hmm. And if he starts some shit, we're all in trouble. So that's another thing that's going on in his life, and it's all seeming to, like, boil up to this giant climax that's happening in the 1980s. Um, and as, as it's kind of growing and climaxing, you're like, how are they going to get themselves out of this? But the kind of the point of it is they don't they they don't get out of it and that's I mean it's evident because how Vegas is run today this is like I said a, a based on true events this was the fall of all of uh, the mobs ties with Vegas oh this story right here it's an example because okay. this is what was going on was there was so much betrayal and the mafia bosses they were all getting old and like on. When they finally went to trial, they were all, like, wearing breathing masks and, like, wrinkled and old and with canes, and most of them had nurses with them. And the judge was like, I can't put these guys in jail. If I give them four years, I could give them a life sentence. Hmm. Like, we don't even have, we don't even know what they did besides sit at a table and give orders that they didn't even carry out. 
it's plausibly deniable. Yeah. So with all of these guys getting older, the question is who's going to take over? And I mean, if you think about it, there's not a lot of mafia here today because all the young guys were killing each other. Oh, yeah. They were just yeah. trying to become the top dog. And when we got in the way, they just whacked. They took him out in the desert. They stuck him in a hole. And that, I mean, this childhood friendship between Ace and Nikki, it comes down to um, Ginger, his wife, seducing Nikki and this distrust building between them that uh, when Ace is told, hey, uh, you, you need to retire, like you need to give this up. Their exact words are maybe he needs to go away for a little bit, but mm, the the, bo- the boss says that, and so one of the the henchmen for the boss comes down. He's like, "Look, they said, hey, maybe you should go away for a little bit. That means you need to give it up because you're next." And Ace is like, "I can't give it up. I got so much on the line. Like if I because Ginger's only here for the money, and if I don't have the money, Ginger's gonna leave me. She's gonna take my daughter away, and you know I can't let my kid get taken away." And mm-hmm. um, basically, it comes down to. Nikki finally taking the step for Ginger because Ginger's like, you got to kill him. He's going to kill me. I know all this stuff on him. He's going to kill me. Uh, Nikki plants a car bomb in uh, Ace's car, which is the first scene of the movie. So I'm not giving too much away. Right. But this very first scene is the the title sequence is literally you watching fire and flame as a silhouette of Robert De Niro goes floating across the screen in slow motion as though he just got blown up. And it's like flying. That's the title card of this movie. <laughs> the problem was, was that... <laughs> so it goes in reverse from there. It's like, how did this happen? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, gotcha. it's chock full of symbolism as to how this all failed at the end of the day. Because Nikki trying to be this big mob boss and have his own crew. He hires a bunch of new guys who don't know shit. So they put it on the passenger side. They put the car bomb on the passenger side instead of the driver's side. Hmm. They don't look into the fact that the car model has a giant metal plate under the driver's seat. So Ace survives. Basically, the car blows up, and Ace jumps out Okay, as the car's on fire. And he doesn't even have a scratch on him at the end of it because he jumped out before it happened because these guys were new at it. They didn't know any better, and nobody taught them. And that was the fall of the mafia was the fact that all of these old guys, so desperate to cling to the power that they had, instead of basically teaching these guys how to run their business, they just wanted them to follow orders. And when they got too old to teach anybody anything on the way of running it, or they just expected people to follow the code, people got greedy. Mm -hmm. And that made the whole thing fall apart. Mm -hmm. So it came down to, basically, these new guys killing each other off and ending what was the mafia altogether. At the same time, greed, what killed the beast, came in the form of another guy who... His only job was to go down to Vegas on his own dime. He had to pay his own way to Vegas, but the mob sent him. And that was his main complaint was every time I go down to Vegas, it costs me $1,000, but I'm not getting anything off it. But his job was to go down and make sure that um, the people who were skimming the money off of the casino's uh, vaults, they weren't taking too much for themselves. Because if you hire criminals to steal from a casino, steal, it's their money, but gonna steal from them, they're going to steal some too, because if you hire people who steal, they're going to steal from you. It's like, how are there not checks and balances in this? Exactly. So his job was to go down and make sure anyone who was skimming off the top got whacked. Uh, but he had to pay his way the whole time, and the, the bundles kept getting smaller and smaller because they're making less and less. Oh, no. Because nobody was paying attention to the business anymore. Right. 
Huh. People were watching each other do all this stuff. Yeah. And they weren't paying any attention to like, how's so, the business actually doing? So the true story is, he, this guy who's supposed to be watching out and making sure the money doesn't get skimmed off the top too much, his mom runs a grocery store in Vegas. But because people were watching Nikki, and because people were watching Ace, the FBI had everything in Vegas bugged, including this grocery store. Uh-oh. <laughs> this greedy son of a bitch decides he's going to go off to his mom about how he's being mistreated by the mafia and tells the FBI everything. <laughs> That's out. what gets the mob bosses pulled into court and shuts down every casino because every casino is run by the mafia. The mafia does what they can. The old men don't get, don't get put in jail because they're too old. They end up selling to, and this is the like final monologue of the movie, is Ace talked about what happened to Vegas they end up selling uh, all of it to a bunch of businessmen, a bunch of suits, he says, hmm. uh, using junk bonds. So basically they got money, they borrowed money from banks to buy up these casinos. And that's where we kind of, that's where the movie's information stops and I start plugging back in the Uber driver and what he told me. Oh. Which is, this guy came in, I don't know his name. I couldn't find it from all the research I did, but he called him by name. He's this guy who's now in charge of all these casinos. It's one guy. Um, and for one guy. One guy. And for 20 years, he talked about how he was going to bring life back to Vegas. He was going to make it new. He was going to bring it in the 21st century. But he was a businessman. He wasn't about family. He wasn't about like all of the things that the mafia ran on for so long. Which was like, if you cheat us, we'll cheat you right back. Like, right. you'll end up in the desert in a hole. This guy was like, I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to sue you. I'm going <laughs> to take your money away. Which is bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're being honest. And you know people are scamming Vegas all the time, but when it happened with the mafia, you died. Yeah. <laughs> or you got beat up. Like, you got hurt mm-hmm. if you did it. But that's not what it's about anymore. But it's not about gambling either, because when the mafia was in charge, there was something called the Three Ring Circus. And it was... Uh, I I kind of alluded to it earlier in the podcast, but it was the system in which they kept all of the the gamblers in the casinos. Because if you're in the casino, you're spending money. Right. The way that it worked was casinos were set up in three circles. You had one circle that was nothing but slot machines. You sit there, you do your your quarter slots. Mm -hmm. Grandma would sit there, have a great time. If grandma needed anything, they had servers walking around those quarter slots and giving her whatever she wanted comped. She wanted a drink. Someone came up and gave it to her. The point was they didn't want grandma getting up out of that seat because the longer she sat there, the more money she spent. Mm -hmm. They kind of go into this in the movie when uh, a guy from – it's a millionaire from Taiwan comes to the casino that Robert De Niro is running. And he's betting like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And on the day that he leaves – He's up $3 million. And he's like, this guy was about to jump on a plane and go back to Taiwan with $3 million of our dollars. He said, so we rubbed a couple pockets, got his plane delayed, got his plane completely shut down, kept him for an extra night, told him no gambling. And then he started gambling small amounts, like $1,000 here, $1,000 there. He said, but a guy like this, <laughs> yeah, he can't do small for long. Because mm-hmm. if he won, he didn't see him winning $20,000. He saw him losing $80,000. Because he could have bet that $100,000 and didn't. So oh. he starts dropping $100,000 bet. Gotcha. And by the end of it, he had lost $2 million of the $3 million that he won. So mm. yeah, he walked away with a $1 million, but they didn't lose $2 million. And that was the kind of business they were running, gotcha. was they wanted people to stay in the casino. 
So you have your first circle that's quarter slots. That's where Grandma hangs out. Mm-hmm. You got your second circle. That's nothing but card tables. That's your your blackjack, your blackjack, your roulette, your poker. A little bit of poker there yeah. too. Uh, poker. There isn't a lot of poker in Vegas. Oh, no. they're po- they're poker tournaments, but poker is about playing somebody else. Correct. You can't really yeah, play yeah. the house in poker. Yeah. Too too well. That makes sense. Um, at least not in a controlled way that the house always wins. Um, but <laughs> that's the name of a mission in Vegas, new Vegas. Yeah. The house always wins. Yeah. And this is all old Vegas that we're talking about right now. New Vegas is the, the monster game. that is slowly sucking the life out of Vegas. Yeah. Okay. New Vegas is where I spent most of my time. And most people do, yeah. but we'll get to that. Um, the second ring is all cards and stuff like that. And that third ring, that was your entertainment. That was Frankie Valley in the four seasons. That was Elvis Presley. That was Frank Sinatra was up hmm. there. And this is how it ran for a long time. The Rat Pack. But eventually all the mobsters either died out or got sent away or got went missing, you know? Mm-hmm. There was only one person left who was holding all of Vegas together and refusing to let go or let anyone do anything because all these big businesses were like, keep running it how you want for now. Once you guys are done running it, we'll take over. There was one guy left who was keeping it all running the exact same up into the 1980s. You know who that guy was? Mr. House? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Frank Sinatra himself. Really? Frank Sinatra Bro. ran Vegas for the last good amount of his life. Huh. Kept it in the way the mafia ran it. Kept all the people the mafia had on. Wouldn't let these business... The business guys were making the money. But it was running the same way the mafia ran it. Wow. What an absolute fucking boss. <laughs> At the same time, he's performing every single night in these casinos. Yeah, that's his town. Exactly. And so... Once Frank Sinatra dies, the businessmen go crazy. And they're like, all right, we can do whatever we want now. We're firing everybody. We're bringing in our own people. We got people who can do this for cheaper, the you know, American story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we start seeing places like Caesar's Palace pop up. Ah. And places like these giant casinos like MGM Grand, uh, these just giant mega complex resorts. And their one goal is to get tourists there yeah (laughs) they don't want just people who want to come and gamble because back then when people were just coming for the casinos and gamble and never left the casino there were rules you had to dress up you had to wear suits you had Mm. to and if you didn't you didn't get to come in the mafia kicked you out if you didn't come dress right you didn't uh act right you got kicked out there's a scene in casino where um a guy's wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots, and that's fine. But he takes cowboy boots off. It props his uh, feet up on the table. He gets the shit kicked out of him. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> because he calls somebody a... You're going to have to bleep this out. But he calls somebody a motherfucker. And he's like, you're going to fucking call me a motherfucker? You're going to have to bleep out a lot. Um, but he gets his head <laughs> rammed through a freaking door. And he gets thrown out. You find out it's one of Nikki's guys who sent in to skim a little money off the top playing... Uh, and Nikki beats the ever-loving shit out of him for disrespecting <laughs> the casino like that. And that's how it was run. But after all the mobsters were gone, those rules were off the table. And that's when you start seeing, like, families coming. And they come and they bring their kids with them. Yep. And it's like in a city where you do nothing but gamble and have sex. Like, why are you bringing kids? Because <laughs> you have a place to put the kids when you're doing other things. And yeah. that was what they wanted to do. They wanted to build these giant resorts where the kids could go swim at the pool while the parents did whatever they wanted. And they brought in, like, all the shows. They brought in Cirque du Soleil. They brought in Penn and Teller, all the magicians. Mm -hmm. But the big question is, if we're building resorts, if we're building pools, if we're getting shows, and we're bringing in all these families, if they're out doing all that, they have these mega malls, they're going shopping, 
who the hell is in the casinos? You can spend one day in the casino in Vegas and still have a week's worth of stuff to do. Hmm. So the casinos now are losing money. Yep. Not to mention, if you win big in Vegas, that money can't go back into the casino like the guy wants it to. They can't pull you back in and you can lose that $2 million like the prince did. Because now you can go to a resort and drop a million over here. Well, no, not even that, because at least then it's staying in Vegas. But oh, if they okay. if they win big here, they win $1,000 here, they can walk down the street to a mall and buy a Gucci handbag. <laughs> and that money goes to Gucci now. Yep. It's out Oof. of circulation. Wow. And this can only last for so long. And it didn't help that they started building these clubs and started advertising Vegas instead of this gambling place where you either respect it or you got... You got messed up. Mm. They turned it into this place where you went to party. They brought in all of the, like, gangsters. They brought in all the, like, big rap names. They're like, hey, come throw your party here. You guys don't even have to gamble. You could just sit here and party. Mm. And because of that, people knew it more as a city that you went to to get drunk and party and not a place where you went and gambled. And they stopped having a flow of income. All that money that was coming in, all that respect that they had, it went away. Mm. So everything started closing down. Not to mention, as I said before, all the businesses were mafia-run. Half of them didn't even have reason to be there. So now you walk around Vegas. I mean, you've been there, Michael. You can attest. It's nothing but closed-down shops, like yeah. gross old buildings. Things are boarded up. Really? Like yeah. Nothing looks right. The churches are closed down. You got Fremont Street. You got New Vegas. And the rest is just trash. Hmm. It's no longer this beautiful city that it was. Uh, they replaced all of the... Uh, a great metaphor is they replaced all of the old cactuses and stuff that were, like, lining the city's streets, replaced them all with fake palm trees. Yeah. The the other big thing, too, is, like, people are still, like, moving to the area, uh, but it's moving to outside of the downtown area. Yeah. And so all of the development is going on around Vegas, not in Vegas. So yeah. So it's like the suburbs type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. What is there to do out there besides, like, resorts? It's just Vegas. That's what gets people there. Yeah, there's that. There's Lake Las Vegas, which Lake Las Vegas is beautiful. Yeah, is that like um, a suburb of the Vegas area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's a lot of people currently who are moving from, uh, like, the Bay Area because things are getting so expensive in, like, Silicon Valley. <laughs> San Francisco is ridiculous. Yeah, that they are moving to uh, – they want to be in, like, a – more metropolitan area in a low taxed area like Nevada. Texas, yeah. And so the, the only metropolitan-ish area is around Vegas. Hmm. And they're trying hard to bring it back. They're, mm. Vegas is offering like tax cuts for people who build there yeah. and doing all of the development stuff. The problem is, is that they don't have the money to be loaning that they are. And they're going further and further into debt, and their system doesn't work the way it used to because it's not being run the way that it's supposed to be. Um, while I was there alone, two of the major hotels filed for bankruptcy yeah. in the same day, laid off half of their staff. And that's partially because of COVID, hmm. but the layoff rate in Vegas right now is astronomical. People yeah. are losing their jobs left and right in these giant places, and these giant casinos and hotels, they're closing down. Where they used to be open seven nights a week to come sin and gamble and do whatever you wanted. They're now only open on the weekends. And every day that's closed is days that they're losing money. Because those lights aren't cheap to keep on. Jeez. What didn't help was the fact that uh, recently the Oakland Raiders moved to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And brought with them all of the gang violence that followed it. 
which was a lot. Yeah. Um, and all of these mobsters that used to live there and lived on respect and lived by a code were replaced by gangs, gangsters. And there was a shooting this year in Vegas. Shootings never happened in Vegas before because everyone was afraid to step on the mob's toes. Yeah, you don't mess with the mob. But the mob's gone now. So they, Vegas has become a literal place of no control. <laughs> um, and all of these shootings are now happening that happened in Oakland. But now they're happening here because everybody moved from Oakland to Vegas. Oakland, California, right? So, so did people who were like, was this, is this like fans of the team that moved? Or is this just like... Some fans of the team moved, but mostly just the, the team moved because the people were moving. The people were moving oh, because okay. Vegas stopped being this like uppity up place to go. And started being like, so more it was of more a, so a drinking, partying, drug kind of a place. So okay, so from the way you talked about it earlier, it sounded like because the the Raiders moved that all this stuff followed. But it's more the other the, way. The around. Raiders followed the stuff. Gotcha. Okay. They followed yeah. their fans, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Um, but like I was saying, a giant shooting just happened in Vegas this year. I don't know if you guys heard about it, but they kind of kept it hush hush because they don't want tourism to go down anymore there's also like that you know it was a mass shooting at a country concert a couple years back yeah yeah the guy oh, we fire. all heard about that one yeah yeah oh yeah yeah so and people might be a little scared of that place i mean they have every right to the uber driver who lived there and i know he's not a great source but i'm gonna keep referencing him because he sounded <laughs> smart. yeah he basically said there are shootings every other week here now and Jeez. it doesn't help that we're trying to bring in these families and, like, hipsters are coming there and, like, having the Vegas experience. But he said there's something now that's, that's famous me. in Vegas. <laughs> he said there's funny. something in, 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 in Vegas now that's, that's famous amongst the people who live there. It's called the Zombie Walk. And that's <laughs> – you heard about this? Yeah, I have. <laughs> Is that just, like, hungover people on the street? Like, oh. No, it's if you drive down the Vegas Strip in New Vegas, yeah. all you see are people slowly walking in giant groups like this. Mm-hmm. They stop and they take pictures. They post them online. And that's what it's all about now. When, when you say like this, just looking down at their phones. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not a visual media. Yeah. But looking down <laughs> at their phones, walking, uh, not paying attention to what's around them. They're not in the casinos gambling. Mm-hmm. They aren't putting money into the system. They're experiencing it, and they're leaving. Oh, Before wow. where people would come and lose their entire bank account to the house, mm-hmm. now you can go to Vegas and have a pretty good time for about 500 bucks. Yeah. Okay. And it still costs the same to run the place, so... Well, the the co- well is it only costs more now. Yeah, though the well <laughs> is definitely running dry on Vegas in more ways than one because water. I had a great time in Vegas. I stayed on Fremont Street. I went to the classic casinos on Fremont Street. If you go to Vegas, you go to Fremont Street. You're gonna have that Vegas experience mm-hmm. that you see in the movies. If you dress up, all the better. Most people won't be dressed up. You're gonna run into a lot of old <laughs> people who are gambling away their retirement, and that's great. It's good for the economy, but. I also walked the strip at New Vegas. I saw the Bellagio fountain. I saw all that stuff. Were you a zombie? I was not. Okay. But I do know that when it comes to the idea of Vegas and what I I was trying to get out of you guys at the beginning when I'm like, hey, what do you think when you think of Vegas? Like the house always wins. It's a shady town. Uh, Mobsters, (laughs) like you're punished if you step out of line. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. That's all dead. Um and it's been replaced with these shiny, glitzy, glamoury, expensive places where basically they are losing money because they just expected Vegas to stay the same as it was. Yeah. They didn't realize as soon as the mob left, uh, the respect for Vegas left too. Hmm. And so is it too late to save Vegas? I don't know. 
that was my big question to the Uber driver is like, is there anything that can happen? He said, a lot of these resorts are selling. Uh, they're, they're going up for sale and people are buying them. He said, the people who are buying them, he said, it's mostly, uh, he said, it's mostly people from Asia who are of the shadier variety. Because if there's one place where a mafia still exists, it's in Asia. It's China. Mm-hmm. China. Not to mention them by name. I don't know if I'm supposed to or not. But um, I don't know their name, but I'm going to not mention them yeah. because they're active. <laughs> I feel fine talking about the Italian mafia because they're not as active as they used to be. Right. Um, but this, the, the Chinese mafia, yeah. um, they are buying up these resorts as soon as they go to, on sale. Mm. Which means we could see a resurgence in the kind of Vegas that it used to be. Is that a good thing? I don't know. I don't think so, uh, because if it's landmarked as a kind of family experience, like it is right now, as soon as it switches back to the old ways, I think it's going to be bad. Just imagine like the gut reaction from all the people with like with families, like, I can't take my kids there anymore, or I'm not going. You right. Know? That's really interesting, because that follows a very big trend that's also happening in, in the Bay Area, too. Yeah. Like there's... Or Cincinnati, too. Well, so one of the biggest problems that they're currently running into in the Bay Area is the fact that there are... Like rent is the rent is too damn high. Uh, <laughs> yep. But that's also partially because there are a bunch of like higher up Chinese uh, oligarchs, essentially investor capitalists. Inv- yeah, who are coming in, buying the properties up, expecting people to just rent it out, but they mm-hmm. end up just sitting empty for such a long time. And that's kind of what Vegas is looking like it's coming to. That's a trend across the country too. Like mm-hmm. if you try to look for a house right now, guess what? You can't. Because as soon as you put in an offer, like with a loan or whatever, I don't else, think that has anything to do with like any Chinese oligarchs. No, no, no. I'm just saying, in general, <laughs> I'm getting there. If you're looking for a house and you want to take out like a 30 year loan, somebody's already there with cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh like hundred thousand yeah. dollars cash. They're like, all right, yeah, done. So I, I spent three months, three or four months trying to buy a house. Exactly. I put in four offers. All of them were rejected because they were too low when I was putting in the offer above asking price. And yeah. most people nowadays aren't Cash. looking aren't mm-hmm. looking to, and this is on a small scale, but it goes for Vegas on the big scale, is that most people aren't looking for houses to live in. No. Most no. people are, the current American dream is to buy enough property that you can charge people to live in those properties and be their landlord and they pay your mortgage and you get a little on the side. Mm-hmm. Real estate mogul. Yeah, and that's what people want. That's the American dream now. It's not about working and earning a house and raising family. That's not it. It's about as much money as you can get. That's capitalism at its core. Mm-hmm. Um, That's capitalism, baby. And it's it's <laughs> causing things like like Vegas to die. And it's a bummer. My first this this guy I had on my second day in Vegas. We were driving back from New Vegas, and that's what he was basically going off about was the fact that he hated New Vegas, and this was why. <laughs> um, well, it's almost like gentrification too. Oh yeah, no, and he oh, went into that. Sure. That's a, no, yeah, that's exactly what it is, Nick. Yeah. It's gentrification. But um, the reason that he was so upset, I mean, and this is like I said, my second to last day. The point I'm trying to make is, it's I was having a great time in Vegas for the first two days. I was like, oh, this is Vegas. Like I'm not that. I got yelled at by a couple of guards for things like not staying six feet away from people. I was like, oh, Vegas, I'm going to get my ass kicked. Huh? No, <laughs> wear your mask. Those guys wouldn't have done anything, but. As soon as he said that, looking around, you could just see how sad the place was. Mm. And there was a lady who we met in the elevator. She's like, we were like, are you having a good time? Because like, we were just talking to people. Me and my dad were. We were open people. We just have conversations with strangers because we're unsafe. Um, but <laughs> we were like, hey, you having a good time? She's like, oh, yeah, have a great time. I live here. I've lived here for 40 years. She was drugged out. She was for sure on some kind of drugs. Mm. 
we were like, oh, how is it living here? She's like, oh, it's great. It's uh, Disneyland for adults. Ha And then she got off the elevator. She said it like that. Disneyland for adults. Ha Kind of dismissive. like. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, you hear that and you're like, that sounds great. Disneyland for adults. That's awesome. Great. I'll take two. That's the exact point she's trying to make is mm-hmm. this place sucks hmm. because it has turned into the Disneyland for adults. They come here. They see the lights. They have a good time. They see the attractions and then they leave. And this place is a corpse of what it used to be. And I get why the residents there are so dependent on things like hard drugs. And they walk the streets mumbling and yelling at tourists because they are the byproduct of what happened to Vegas, Mm. which is it's turned into... They didn't cause it, though. They didn't cause it, but they are are a symptom of it. Okay, yeah. Because... The, it's they aren't as sex, as successful as they used to be. They aren't as uh, they aren't as as uh, fancy as they used to be, hmm. and that's kind of what we're seeing in Vegas. And if it keeps up the way it does, uh, at least my Uber driver who gives he says he gives uh, college seminars to uh, people who are studying to run the casinos. He walks oh, in and okay. he gives them the spiel. He's like, "This is what's wrong." He says, if it keeps up the way that it's going, Vegas has 20 more years. Jeez. Until what? What happens to Vegas after that? Who knows? Is it like completely like a wasteland at that point? Who knows? Do atomic bombs fall? Does it turn into fall in Vegas? I don't think it's going to be that severe, but I think we're going to see, instead of it being the bright lights of Vegas, it's just that like city that you can go to if you want. But... The city that used to be something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometime in the past. It becomes Cincinnati. Jeez. Cincinnati hey. used to be <laughs> no seriously. Yeah, no, you're right. Cincinnati used to be huge. Yeah, people used to come from all over to see Cincinnati, mm-hmm. but it's nothing now. It's just a now place. we got we got over the Rhine. We got Procter and Gamble, Kroger, I guess. It's got that chip. It's going to. <laughs> but that's what's going to happen to Vegas. We have the and Reds sucks. and the Bengals as well. To both no, those teams don't. suck, and I don't even follow sports. <laughs> So it's depressing. This is a depressing episode of Entertain This, but it's the entertainment capital of the world, and if this is a cry for somebody to please God do something, if you can, no one that I know can, but please do something. Save Vegas. But if we're encapsulating all things entertainment, it's time to take the hit and talk about one of the sadder things in entertainment, and that's that this entertainment capital is dying. So sorry to be a bummer this week. Hopefully after the break, Michael can save the hit with the quick this. We'll see. Uh, Probably not. (laughs) Well, we'll see you guys when we come back. We're down in the dumps. All right. So as we kind of alluded to at the beginning, uh, right now there's some uh, shit going on in the United States. Shit Um, indeed, Michael. We're having an election. Yeah. uh, What's an erection? (laughs) Well, if it lasts longer than four days, <laughs> you might need to call the Supreme Court. <laughs> oh, wow. That was good. Thank you. Um, guys, quality goofs tonight <laughs> yeah. from the depression that I brought us into. Um, That's where the best goofs come from. So kind of kind of to reiterate what we talked about at the beginning, um, Alex, Nick, and I are recording uh, the podcast the day after the beginning of the 2020 presidential election. Um, as things currently stand, a winner has not been announced. And we're fully awaiting the count of millions of votes in key battleground states. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, this is the second presidential election that I've had the right to participate in. And for the second time in my life, 
I have found myself glued to any screen where I can watch hundreds of the different charts, percentages, or possible outcomes being discussed by different uh, news anchors and election analysts. And we need that. Mm -hmm. We need the different places. Um, Late into last night, after a few uh, boozy eggnogs, oh hell yeah, other drinks, getting into the festive feeling, um, and it's not Christmas yet. <laughs> and, <laughs> you and also, if you get into the Christmas spirits, you can get into the Christmas spirit. Oh yeah, I needed it though to stave off the uh, impending sense of anxiety and doom that I was experiencing all night. I still feel it. Um, so as I was feeling, as I was drinking all that, I thought about how many other people were spending their Tuesday night exactly as I was. Um, and then, miraculously enough, for one of the first times in Entertain This History, uh, I remember that today I have the responsibility to <laughs> bring this week's Quick This. So quick you this. sat down, boozed out. So I sat down, start boozed typing. out, started typing, and spent some time writing down my interpretation of uh, election night as entertainment. Which it is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like a UFC fight, but with okay. people in suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can so kind of to jump off with that, um, the phenomenon of watching different news channels and websites gather the different vote totals it's not a particularly fun experience in any way <laughs> it's kind of a thrill um it's kind of it's entertaining in a morbid way okay it's a lot like the the, the closest thing i could compare it to is like you're watching um you're 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 waking up in the middle of a surgery performed on yourself uh-uh nope <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um <laughs> Like you watch, like to get to get more into the visual, you watch as a surgeon has opened you up, giving yourself a slight view of the inner workings of your own body. Pretty cool. But all is laid bare before the entire world to show you exactly what state your body is in. No thanks. <laughs> um, so election night news coverage uh, has been around since the inception of. The news. Mm -hmm. Uh, It serves to gather as much information as possible and present it in the easiest way to digest. Sure. Different agencies and publications race to be the first to determine the winner based on all available knowledge, despite every vote not yet being counted or the results even being formally verified. Or an old orange man claiming victory (laughs) at one o'clock in the morning. (laughs) What's he doing up that (laughs) way? He does all this crazy shit at 1 a.m. Yeah, I'm sleeping. You're an old man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an actual old man. (laughs) So one of the more interesting parts of election night is following as the county by county totals come in so that we can see and speculate on the effect of the different policies and strategies employed by each candidate. Mm -hmm. Um, Last night when the votes came in for specifically Miami-Dade County in Florida, um, despite Joe Biden still winning it handedly, uh, when we compare it to the results of the last election, Hillary Clinton outperformed Joe Biden by more than a four-point differential in that specific county. Um, Hillary, and, right? Yeah. Wow. And so the, Miami-Dade in Florida is the county that includes Miami City. Generally, high-populated cities end up leaning more Democratic. Sure. Um, and this particular county was one of, if not the most important county for Joe Biden to not just win, but destroy hmm. in. Um, so one of the more interesting parts about this is all of the analytics that go into this, uh, looking at like demographics and population statistics and 
this ended up creating a narrative throughout the night uh, that something within Joe Biden and the Democratic platform wasn't able to uh, identify or, uh, yeah, identify, I guess, with Latinos. Hmm. And ultimately, because Joe Biden didn't have this four-point swing, he lost Florida. Yeah, by, he did. By slightly under four points. Oh, because he didn't get Miami-Dade County. Yep. Hmm. Um, and the other crazy part is, is because we now have this early on uh, narrative of the Democratic Party and Joe Biden not being able to identify with Latinos, that you start looking for trends in that in other places that ended up carrying itself over into Texas as well. Oh, yeah, big time. There were major parts of Texas that were expected to, if not be like a very competitive um, section for Joe Biden to win. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, he lost oh, yeah, by a time. lot. Mm -hmm. And it's in these places that were expected, that are heavily Latino, that were heavily expected to go for Joe Biden. Um, and so it's just really, it was just a really entertaining, like piece to watch as things get put together across the entire nation, because you can see how e each candidate's political strategies end up playing out on these very minute levels that impact the entire minutia of the, of the race. Well, for me, I look at it from a marketing perspective, right? You have yeah. demographics mm -hmm. like, you know, Latinos prefer this candidate and mm -hmm. it's also polling too. Yeah. It's the fall of polling. For I sure. think. Because you have, oh, Joe Biden's going to win it easily. And then you look at the polls, they're like, well, sure, whatever. Even I don't think from, anybody e said that. I mean, <laughs> even, even apart from that, like, there is also, like, a problem within the, and this is might be getting too into the weeds, there is a major problem within the Democratic Party of um, stagnation, hmm. of uh, putting forward policy and uh, candidates that do not represent a majority of the Democratic Party, yeah. who end hmm. up representing this dream of a middleman who is going to a centrist. Yeah. So the idea is that you're going to have these strong democratic strongholds that are going to vote blue, no matter who. Um, so they put forward a candidate. They're like, well, we need to win the 65 and up in the suburbs because that is what we're missing. But because he'd never offered anything up that actually appeals to people. Uh, then he's stuck with this guy. <laughs> then, well, no, and then it's like then these people feel disenfranchised. And they're not oh, yeah. voting for Joe Biden. But apart from all that, and apart from all the statistics that people are normally invested in with a race, um, usually in most races, the results aren't truly felt until the January after the election, when uh, the president actually takes the new president takes office. The oath of um, office. However, these last two election cycles have felt very different from the ones that came beforehand. Uh, now, whether or not you support President Trump or Joe Biden... Um, Doesn't matter to us. We just want your money. <laughs> it's it's still very safe to say, uh, and I don't think this is a very controversial opinion, the last four years have been pretty damn polarizing. Even the last eight years, you want to go that far. If you whether to. or not it's the current president's fault is neither here nor there, but yes, we can all agree the last four years have been bad. Yeah. One of the... The biggest thing I think is that over these last four four to eight years or however long you're looking at, we've seen the gap between the two different sides of American politics widen as we in our lifetimes have never experienced before. And for weird reasons that aren't even like supposed to be political, 
Like things that I mean that don't boil down to politics are what's dividing these political well, parties. Well, but that's the thing. Everything is politics. Which sucks. You're trying to get into like the uh what's it called? Social war? Is that what you could you could you could from what he's referencing you could talk about social war you could talk about like the like Christian values yep. like the evangelical votes like single mm-hmm. issue voters which all boils down to politics they do or they, they do. all at least have an impact Everything on politics is political but yeah for some reason they're now being labeled as political issues that's what I'm saying well they've always political. been political issues but it's more so that uh, there's less and less being aligned with their other political views and their like party line yeah. that these become the most important parts, which seems very counterproductive yes. to a they're lot like of They're like the people. easy thing to grab, right? Yeah, yeah. They're the easy thing to grab because it's the thing that like you have a very strong moral stance on. Yep. Like um, you're an evangelical. You're going to vote for Trump. Come here. <laughs> right. Right. And that's, and kind of getting back to what I was saying earlier, like that's what Democrats like thought that they had a yeah. stronghold on. It's like, who's a Democrat? What do they look like? I don't know. <laughs> well, and even I think everyone knows Joe Biden at this point, but it's more so like what, like what does Joe Biden actually want to, do, like what is he really going to do for me? Like I like so you have a like a normal Democrat at this point mm-hmm. wants uh, like universal health care. Sure. Most conservatives at this point like wants universal. Health. Fox News did a poll before the uh, votes started coming in. In their poll, seventy three percent of all people wanted some form of universal health care. Wow. Um, where's it at? <laughs> <laughs> I have some. <laughs> well, we're not, we're, we're probably not going to get it because Democrats ended up conceding to Republicans. Like, and this has been a major problem for all pretty they don't much have the balls to do. Anything. Well, it's, it's a matter of like, they concede in this very odd way of, They're like, uh, well, those are the rules, but guess well, no, what? it's like, they give into these things of like Republicans saying, uh, like universal healthcare is socialist. Uh, and then no. Democrats are like, <laughs> Well, I'm not offering universal health care, and therefore conceding that universal health care is socialist and bad. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, to get off of all that. Um, we could have a politics podcast. Right? <laughs> uh, to we get a- are famously not a political <laughs> podcast. Um, but uh, to, to kind of go along with that, given the nature of the time that we're in and the day that we're recording this podcast, it kind of calls for at least some discussion on it. Hey, will you edit out this scream? <gasps> <laughs> Thank you for editing that out. I um, peaked my mic. But kind of to go back uh, to where we've seen this large gap just getting wider and wider and wider. Uh, I personally have seen both friends and family members grow more and more distant as each became more uh, as each became increasingly entrenched in their own political views. Um, Not even socially distant, emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts more. Um, I think back to last night, four years ago, when just like this year, I was awake close to four in the morning, not only looking for new results, but also to watch on social media all the different reactions and takes from people that I knew and was close to. Um, just like the week following a major blockbuster movie. Um, just looking for people to validate how I feel, see the same things I'm seeing, and just to see what other opinions are out there. I want to throw in uh, that I know for a fact the day I found out Trump got elected, I posted a f- just photo dump of nothing but puppies with inspirational stuff on it to basically be like, times are hard and we all feel really, really terrible right now. 
It's a weird feeling. Yeah. Because it's like impending doom, but it's like lurking. And that's how the last four years have felt. Yeah. Which is weird. It's like, oh, something's about to happen. And like you go out every day and it feels normal. But you're just like, oh, I feel. Yeah, it's it's kind of goes back to that feeling of like it feels it feels like you're watching your own body be operated on. Yeah, like it's you're like who the said of the that? Country. What? Somebody really famous maybe yeah, Michael, tweeted from that. This. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I've been on Twitter. I was I was very drunk last night, so I might have seen someone say that on Twitter, and I just took complete credit for it. You're I like, think it's a great one. PJ <laughs> PJ Vogue from uh, Reply All tweeted that but he might have copied it from somebody else maybe I'll you see the same know. thing over and over again yeah <laughs> but um to kind of close this out because it's kind of gone on a few tangents now at this point <laughs> I'm um, i don't really have a particular goal with talking about all this i'm not here to convince any one person like any way or another about like my political views um, just to, as, as a form of observation on election night, uh, the many different facets of entertainment it brings to such a unique national experience. Hmm. Yeah. I guess I never thought about it as entertainment, but thanks mm. for that. It yeah. is. And it is entertaining to watch as terrifying as it is. It's like watching a horror movie. You're just it's, waiting it's for it a, to end so you can say you lived through it. It's a yeah. morbid curiosity. I think yeah. Like, yeah. you see the fate of the country. You're like, Oh, it's also like a team sport almost too. Cause oh, you, you voted 100%. for one person or the other, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I hope this person wins. Yeah. I specifically (laughs) remember waking up the morning after the last election. Uh And like personally, I I voted democratically. Okay. uh, And I woke up and I was pissed and I was living at home still. And I was like, I was visibly upset. And my mom just looked at me and was like, yeah, your first time losing, right? (laughs) Doesn't feel too good. You like look at the county, um, like how they break down for the county you voted in. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh. Those are my neighbors. Yeah. They voted like that. That's just the way it is, I guess. <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit of disappointment, I think. Yeah, it's I, a very a very similar thing that I also thought of last night that it could be compared to is like watching uh Requiem for a Dream over and over and over mm-hmm. again. It's like it's it's entertainment, but boy, does it not feel good mm-hmm. to watch this all go down. Yeah. Hmm. Weird entertainment. Mm-hmm. Hey, on that note, if you feel like poopy right now, uh, maybe you should listen to our back catalog of all the episodes of Entertain <laughs> yeah. This, where we end on a much cheerier note. But yeah. right now, we are, man, our world is in a stagnant position. Everything feels like it's on a downward slope. And that's okay, because we always bounce back. Um, next week, we'll be back for Nick to take over with his well-written, well-researched episode. On a topic that I don't know if he wants to leave a mystery. Nope. You got to tell him? Maybe I will. You got to tell him right now? I might. Go ahead. Nah, I won't. All right, so it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> uh, so come come next Friday when Nick takes over the reins and I have our quick this. Uh, it should be entertaining. If you guys haven't listened to the Halloween special yet, guys, go listen to it, even it's though it's so not Halloween good. anymore. Man, it's so good. Every last drop of We're that. We're a little biased, but. Every last drop of that three-hour experience <laughs> is beautiful. Listen to part one and two. Let us know what you think. You can find us on uh, on Twitter. We are entertain underscore this. And on uh, Instagram, we are entertain this podcast. Comment on the post on Instagram or the tweet where we mentioned the new episode. We love hearing your guys' feedback. Get into a political debate with us. <laughs> Please don't. If you do, do it on our personal accounts because there I get very political. Uh, if you can find me. Don't at me. Yeah. 
if you guys want to <laughs> advertise anything or send any personal messages in our break spot between the quick this and our regular show, you can email us at entertainthispodcast at gmail.com with your requests, and we will talk you through the process of getting that done. Uh, until next week, this has been Entertain This. I'm Alex. I'm Michael. And I'm Nick. See you guys next week. Bye. Thank you. This episode of Entertain This was written by Alex Steele, with additional commentary from Michael Savoya and Nick Mastakangas. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer, with additional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.